0: You're listening to the True Crime Nation podcast with Todd and Brian. If you're enjoying the show, email us at truecrimenation@outlook.com. Let's start the show. This is Brian, and right over there with me is Todd, and this is the True Crime Nation podcast. We are back with a very interesting story tonight. What is going on, Brian? How you
1: doing, man? Doing great. It's good to be back. I'm ready uh, to get a good story behind us here, get some more uh, mystery and uh, murder and whatever out there here, see what's happening. So.
0: Yeah, this is a good one. This is from uh, 1945.
1: What do we got? Yeah, what is the story today? What are we talking
0: this about? This is here? the case of the missing solder children. Okay. In Fayetteville, West Virginia. Um, the The story goes... I mean, it's, it's real actually happened. The Sodders had 10 kids. Well, let's just start. We'll start. We'll start from the beginning. Uh, for nearly four decades, anyone driving down route 16 near Fayetteville, West Virginia could see a billboard bearing the grainy images of five children, all dark haired and solemn eyed, their names and ages, Maurice 14, Martha 12, Louis nine, Jenny eight, Betty five stenciled beneath along with the speculation about what happened to them. Fayetteville was was and is a small town with a main street that doesn't run longer than a hundred yards. And rumors always played a larger role in the case than evidence. So a lot of rumors surrounding this case, a lot of speculation, a lot of a lot of weird weird shit.
1: Nineteen forty five West Virginia, right there,
0: right? Okay. Yep. That should tell you a lot right there.
1: It kind of does, actually. I don't know why I said say that, <laughs> but continue on.
0: No one even agreed on whether the children were dead or alive. What everyone knew for certain was this. On the night before Christmas, 1945, George and Jenny Sautter and not nine of their ten children went to sleep. One son was away in the army. Around 1 a.m., a fire broke out. George and Jenny and four of their children escaped. But the other five were never seen again. Hmm. Ah, so four of the children lived. Okay.
1: Well, be five with the one away in the army, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Well, four that were in the house. Yeah. Four of the nine that were in the house. George had tried to save them, breaking a window to re-enter the house, slicing a swath of skin from his arm. He could see nothing through the smoke and fire, which had swept through all of the downstairs rooms living and dining room, kitchen, office, and his and Jenny's bedroom. He took frantic stock of what he knew two-year-old Sylvia, whose crib was in their bedroom, was safe outside, as was 17-year-old Marion and two sons, 23-year-old John and 16-year-old George Jr., who had fled the upstairs bedroom they shared, singeing their hair on the way out. He figured Maurice, Martha, Lewis, Jenny, and Betty still had to be up there towering in two bedrooms on either end of the hallway, separated by a staircase that was now engulfed in flames. So, four, five, six. So the six of them it out, and uh, supposedly the five, the five kids weren't in the house, or were still in the house when it was burning. Mm-hmm. So he raced back outside, hoping to reach them through the upstairs windows, but the ladder he always kept propped against the house, was strangely missing. Okay. Okay, so he always kept the ladder there, but now all of a sudden, for some reason, inexplicably, it's gone. An idea struck, he would drive one of his two coal trucks up to the house and climb atop it to reach the windows. But even though they'd functioned perfectly the day before, neither would start now. He ransacked his mind for another option. He tried to scoop water from a rain barrel, but found it frozen solid. Five of his children were stuck somewhere inside those Great whipping ropes of smoke. He didn't notice that his arm was slick with blood. That his voice hurt from screaming their names. His daughter Marion sprinted to a neighbor's home to call the Fayetteville Fire Department. But couldn't get any operator response. Hmm. On Christmas Eve. A neighbor who saw the blaze made a call from a nearby tavern. But again, no operator responded. Exasperated, the neighbor drove into town tracked down the fire chief, F.J. Morris, who initiated Fayetteville's version of fire alarm, a phone tree system, which is probably not very reliable back in 1945.
1: No, I would say not.
0: In West Virginia. Right. (laughs) Whereby one firefighter phoned another who phoned another. The fire department was only two and a half miles away from the crew, or away, but the crew didn't arrive until 8 a.m., by which point the Sodder's home had been reduced to a smoking pile of ash.
1: Now, how? tell me this before we continue on here. How mm-hmm. can a fire department be two and a half miles away and not know that there's something on fire?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I've never been to Fayetteville. Have you been to Fayetteville? Do you no. know what it looks like?
1: I've been to West Virginia plenty of times. I can imagine right. what it looks like. All right. So the ladders. Well, half these
0: guys were probably either in bed or drunk.
1: That's true. It's Christmas, right? They're not even at the. They probably weren't even at the fire station.
0: No, they were probably all home. Yep.
1: Okay. George and
0: Jeannie assumed that five of their children were dead, but a brief search of the grounds on Christmas Day turned up no trace of remains. Chief Moore suggested that the blaze had been hot enough to completely cremate the bodies a state police officer inspected combed the rubble and attributed the fire to faulty wiring george covered the basement with five feet of dirt intending to preserve the site as a memorial the coroner's office issued five death certificates just before the new year attributing the cause to causes to fire or suffocation Mm. from smoke okay so, they didn't find any remains. You think a house fire can get hot enough to completely incinerate teeth and everything? I don't think so.
1: I will say this. My father, we had him cremated. And you know when they cremate somebody, I mean, that's, a, that's about as hot as you can get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we found some bone matter, maybe a part of a tooth, something like that two and the uh container that they they gave us back uh not like we were sifting through his ashes to go oh what's mm-hmm. what's dad doing in here <laughs> we were filling they had the my sisters bought these cremation jewelry and it's this jewelry that little oh yeah. and stuff there put your ashes in so we were dipping in mm-hmm. and getting in and oh yeah we hit this little chunk of so yeah i don't i don't think Mm -hmm. that that flame could have completely burned out to where they could not have found any part of any remains of any possible human matter at all.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't think so either. Crematoriums are super hot.
1: I don't think they were in the house.
0: I don't think they were either.
1: At this point. So far.
0: All right. George Sodder was born in Giorgio Sadu in Tula, Sardinia. In 1895.
1: Where the hell is that? Italy. Okay. Um,
0: in 1895. And immigrated to the United States in 1908 when he was 13. An older brother who had accompanied him to Ellis Island immediately returned to Italy, leaving George on his own. He found work on the Pennsylvania railroads, carrying water and supplies to the laborers, and after a few years moved to Smithers, West Virginia. Smart and ambitious, he first worked as a driver and then launched his own trucking company, hauling dirt for construction and later freight and coal. One day, he walked into a local store called The Music Box and met the owner's daughter, Jenny Cipriani, who had come over from Italy when she was three. Okay. So, a couple couple Italian Italian immigrants.
1: In West Mm -hmm. Virginia, by God.
0: Yep. West by God, Virginia. (laughs) They married and had 10 children between 1923 and 1943 and settled in Fayetteville, West Virginia. He needed to get a hobby.
1: No shit. (laughs) She was pregnant all the time.
0: Man, you ain't kidding. You think she was barefoot too? In West Virginia? Yes.
1: Okay. (laughs) Apologize to any West Virginia listeners. We know it's not really that way anymore.
0: Right? No, we love West Virginia. It's a beautiful state. Yeah. And settled in Fayetteville, West Virginia, an Appalachian Appalachian is it Appalachian or Appalachian? I say
1: Appalachian. Some people say Appalachian. I say Appalachian. An
0: mm-hmm. Appalachian town with a small but active Italian immigrant community. The solders were said one country. The Sauters were said one country magistrate. One of the most respected middle class families around. George held strong opinions about everything from business to current events and politics but was for some reason reticent to talk about his youth. He never explained what had happened back in Italy to make him want to leave. The Sodders planted flowers across the space where their house had stood and began to stitch together a series of odd moments leading up to the fire. Hmm. All right. This is where it gets. Okay. Where it gets kind of, kind of weird. All right. There was a stranger who appeared at the home a few months earlier Back in the fall asking about hauling work he meandered to the back of the house pointed to two separate fuse boxes and said this is going to cause a fire someday strange george thought especially since he had just had the wiring checked by the local power company which pronounced it in fine condition around the same time another man tried to sell the family life insurance and became irate when george declined Your goddamn house is going to go up in smoke, he warned, and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. Hmm. All right. All right. George was indeed outspoken about his dislike for the Italian dictator, occasionally engaging in heated arguments with other members of Fayetteville's Italian community. And at the time, didn't take the man's threat seriously. The older, sadder sons also called something, also recalled something peculiar. Just before Christmas, they noticed a man parking along U.S. Highway 21, intently watching the younger kids as they came home from school. Hmm.
1: Whoever this dude, these guys are.
0: Dead giveaway. Around 1230 Christmas morning, after the children had opened a few presents and everyone had gone to sleep, The shrill ring of the telephone broke the quiet. Jenny rushed to answer it. An unfamiliar female voice asked for an unfamiliar name. There was raucous laughter and glasses clinking in the background. Jenny said, you have the wrong number and hung up. Tiptoeing back to bed, she noticed that all the downstairs lights were still on. And the curtains open. The front door was unlocked. She saw Marion asleep on the sofa in the living room. And assumed that the other kids were upstairs in bed. She turned out the lights, closed the curtains, locked the door, and returned to her room. She had just begun to doze when she heard one sharp, loud bang on the roof, and then a rolling noise. An hour later, she was roused once again, this time by heavy smoke curling into her room.
1: A bang and a rolling noise.
0: What do you think that bang was on the roof? I think that was a firebomb.
1: A Molotov cocktail.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. An mm-hmm. hour
1: later, though, it took an hour to burn that much?
0: Well, probably. There was probably snow. So it probably took a minute.
1: Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like these guys were trying to hustle people.
0: And, mm-hmm. you know, and they weren't falling for it.
1: You were going to pay these guys to screw up your wiring. So then they're going to try to sell you life insurance, and you tell them no. So now they're really pissed, so they're going to burn your house down. Exactly. What in the hell? Back, even back and in kill 1945, your kids. people were just so corrupt, you know?
0: I'm the telling human you, man.
1: Psyche just back then.
0: People are crazy. People are out of control, man. Out of control. Jenny couldn't understand how five children could perish in a fire and leave no bones, no flesh, nothing. She conducted a private experiment burning animal bones, chicken bones, beef joints, pork chop bones to see if the fire consumed them. Each time she was left with a heap of charred bones. She knew that remnants of various household appliances had been found in the burned out basement. Still identifiable. An employee at the crematorium informed her that bones remain after bodies are burned for two hours at 2000 degrees. See, that's what we're just talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Their house was destroyed in 45 minutes. There you go. And I'm sure it didn't get anywhere near crematorium hot. I mean, house fires get hot. Don't get me wrong, but.
1: Well, think about Crematorium
0: this. hot? I don't think so.
1: Think about this. Maybe it could happen. Maybe, 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 maybe it could happen on one, one body. One. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Not five.
0: If it's in the right spot.
1: Not five. Right. Not five. No way.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: They weren't in the house. The question is, where were they? Right. And why weren't they there?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Where'd they go and who took them? The collection of odd moments grew. A telephone repairman told the Sodders that their lines appeared to have been cut, not burned. They realized that if the fire had been electrical, the result of faulty wiring, as the official reported stated and the power would have been dead. So how to explain the lighted downstairs rooms? A witness came forward claiming he saw a man at the fire scene taking a block and tackle used for removing car engines. Could he be the reason George's trucks refused to start? Maybe.
1: Hmm.
0: One day, while the family was visiting the site, Sylvia found a hard rubber object in the yard. Jenny recalled hearing the hard thud on the roof. Rolling sound, George concluded it was a napalm pineapple bomb of the type used in warfare.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> Would that have started the fire?
0: Napalm, if it was on fire.
1: Interesting. Yep. They had those back in 1945. I guess they did. Oh yeah, World War Two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Then came the reports of sightings. A woman claimed to have seen the missing children peering from a passing car while the fire was in progress. A woman operating a tour stop between Fayetteville and Charleston, some 50 miles west, said she saw the children the morning after the fire. I served them breakfast, she told police. There was a car with Florida license plates at the Tourist Court too. A woman at Charleston Hotel saw the children's photos in a newspaper and said she had seen four of the five a week after the fire. The children were accompanied by two women and two men, all of Italian extraction. She said in a statement, I do not remember the exact date. However, the entire party did register at the hotel and stayed in a large room with several beds. They registered about midnight. I tried to talk to the children in a friendly manner, but the men appeared hostile and refused to allow me to talk to these children. One of the men looked at me in a hostile manner. He turned around and began talking rapidly in Italian. Immediately, the whole party stopped talking to me. I sensed that I was being frozen out, so I said nothing more. They left early the next morning. So, there you go. Were those the kids?
1: Um, Probably.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm just trying to gather why this uh, this Italian... Community there in Fayetteville have it so much against these guys, they're going to steal half of their kids and then burn their house down. I mean, does it really get that serious? Are these guys like mobsters there, or what's going on here?
0: Right. See, that's what I was thinking too. Um, some kind of mafia connection of something, some sort. I'm not trying to stereotype anybody, but it's no. 1940s West Virginia.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you wouldn't think it would be in West Virginia, but. I guess
0: Mm, they were everywhere. Yeah. The long arm of the mafia in 1947, George and Jenny sent a letter about the case to the federal Bureau of investigation and received a reply from J Edgar Hoover. Although I would like to be of service, the matter related appears to be a, of local character and does not come within the investigative jurisdiction of this bureau. Hmm. Hoover's agents said they would assist if they could, if they could get permission from the local authorities, but Fayetteville police and fire departments declined the offer. Interesting. You know, we had other, other stories about other different kind of police officers, police departments not cooperating with each other. Yeah. Back in the day.
1: Yeah. They don't want people stepping in on their turf.
0: Right. Which Showing is
1: ridiculous. Them, show them how to do their job mm-hmm you know
0: yeah it's ridiculous
1: or they were tied in with this mafia this land. is
0: also the problem we're having now in oregon i mean oh, idaho i don't mean to change the subject but that's the problem i have right now in idaho the local police department are idiots
1: yeah oh with the stabbing <laughs> yeah we got to do a show mm-hmm. on that
0: one yeah we got to do one about that too but i i digest uh next the sodders turned to a private investigator named cc tinsley who discovered that the insurance salesman who had threatened George was a member of the coroner's jury that deemed the fire accidental. Hmm. Boy, this just gets more and more twisted, doesn't it? He also heard a curious story from a Fayetteville minister about FJ Morris, the fire chief. Although Morris had claimed no remains were found, he supposedly confided that he discovered a heart in the ashes. He hid it inside a dynamite box and buried it at the scene. A heart. Yeah, I don't believe that either.
1: I don't either. He made that up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why would you... I found a heart. It was still be...
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, no, I don't think that would... There would be more than a heart laying there.
1: Oh, like, Yeah.
0: Tinsley persuaded Morris to show them the spot. Together they dug up the box and took it straight to a local funeral director who poked and prodded the heart and concluded it was beef liver untouched by the fire. Soon afterward, the Sodders heard rumors that the fire chief had told others that the contents of the box had not been found in the fire at all. He had buried the beef liver in the rubble in the hope that finding any remains would placate the family enough to stop the investigation. Wow. Yeah, ah, uh, fuck. We found their, we found their remains. Uh, just forget about your dead kids.
1: <laughs> it's true. They, they, they died in the fire. Here's, here's their heart.
0: Yeah, look, it's a heart.
1: Yeah, there's definitely some weird cover up going on with this stuff. <laughs> that this, this wasn't just. I think there was a lot more people involved in this than. Uh,
0: oh yeah, this. Mm-hmm. A few. This is a lot of cover up and shit going on.
1: Maybe even the police department.
0: I'm sure. That's what it sounds like.
1: What did these solder people do to piss everybody off so much?
0: Uh, George was very outspoken when it came to politics and stuff, so maybe he rubbed the wrong people the wrong way. You know, could, could happen back. It could happen now. It could, could happen be. back then for sure.
1: Could have been threatening the whole establishment of the Italian mafia in Fayetteville, West yeah. Virginia.
0: Very well could have been. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Over the next few years, the tips and leads continued to come. George saw a newspaper photo of school children in New York City. And when convinced that one of them was his daughter, Betty, he drove to Manhattan in search of the child, but her parents refused to speak to him. In August, 1949, the Sodders decided to mount a new search at the fire scene and brought in Washington, D.C. pathologist named Oscar B. Hunter. Good the excavation Oscar. was thorough. Sorry. Good old Oscar. Oscar Meyer. Oscar Hunter. Oscar B. Hunter, a pathologist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny. It is funny.
0: The excavation was thorough, uncovering several small objects, damaged coins, a partly burned dictionary, and several shards of vertebrae. Hunter sent the bones the Bostonian Institute, which issued the following report. The human bones consistent of four lumbar vertebrae belonging to one individual. Since the transverse recesses are fused, the age of the individual at death should have been 16 or 17 years. The top limit of age should be about 22 since the centra, which normally fuse at 23, are still unfused. On this basis, the bones showed greater skeletal maturation than one would expect for a 14-year-old boy oldest missing solder child. It is, however, possible, although not probable, for 14 and a half years old to show 16 to 17 maturation. The vertebrae showed no evidence that they had been exposed to fire, the report said. And it is very strange that no other bones were found in the allegedly careful evacuation of the basement of the house. Noting that the house reportedly turned... Or, Noting that the house reportedly burned for only about half an hour or so, it said that one would expect to find the full skeletons of the five children, rather than only four vertebrae. Yeah, exactly. The bones, they reported the bones, the report concluded, were most likely the supply of dirt George used to fill in the basement to create the memorial for his children. I think some So there would have been bones already in the dirt.
1: I think someone could have planted them there at this point. They could have been planted there, so I'm not yeah. even biting on that one, period. Um, there's already been, you know, um, contamination of the crime scene at that point. So anything found yeah. at that point, I, I couldn't base on. Yeah, you can't.
0: Yep. You couldn't. That, it would never be admissible in the court of law anyway.
1: What else did it say there that they found? A um, um, bunch of stuff. What
0: was that? A uh,
1: couple other things. You're going to find skeletal remains, damaged
0: coins, partly in dictionary, and several shards of earth. Um,
1: you're going to find you're going to find more than
0: just yeah. Hmm. Exactly.
1: I don't know that I bite on the fact that it says that they were in the supply of dirt he used to fill in the basement. That's kind of creepy in itself. If they were human,
0: <laughs> yeah. Again, Especially if they're human bones, where would you get the dirt? That's why I go back to
1: saying maybe it was planted there anyway. So I still don't think it was any of the kids is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. No, no, it definitely wasn't the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian report prompted two hearings at the Capitol in Charleston, after which governor Okey L Patterson and state police superintendent, W. E. Burchett told the Sodders their search was hopeless and declared the case closed. Undeterred, George and Jenny erected the billboard along Route 16 and passed out flyers offering a $5,000 reward for information leading to the recovery of their children. He soon increased the amounts to $10,000. A letter arrived from a woman in St. Louis saying the oldest girl, Martha, was in a convent there. Another tip came from Texas, where a patron in a bar overheard an incriminating conversation about a long ago Christmas Eve fire in West Virginia. Someone in Florida claimed the children were staying with a distant relative of Jenny's. George traveled to the country to investigate each lead, always returning home without any answers. In 1968, more than 20 years after the fire, Jenny went to get the mail and found an envelope addressed only to her. It was postmarked in Kentucky, but had no return address inside was a photo of a man in his mid-20s on its flip side a cryptic handwritten note read lewis Sodder." she and george couldn't deny the resemblance to their lewis who was nine at the time of the fire beyond the obvious similarities dark curly hair dark brown eyes they had the same straight strong nose the same upward tilt of the left eyebrow once again, they hired a private detective and sent him to Kentucky. They never heard from him again.
1: Whoa.
0: hmm So, either he took off with the money or somebody didn't like him snooping around and he's buried in the hills of Kentucky somewhere. Yeah, I don't think... But I- if you look, if you look up here, and we'll post these pictures somewhere, if you look up here at the pictures of kids... This Louis Sodder, the youngest boy. And then look at this picture down here of this grown man. I mean, I guess a little. It's hard to tell on these black and white pictures, but I guess a little you could say he looked like him.
1: Yeah, people can change a lot from childhood.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. The Sodders feared that if they published a letter or the name of the town on the postmark, they might harm their son. Instead... They amended the billboard to include the updated image of Lewis and hung an enlarged version over the fireplace. Time is running out for us, George said in an interview. But we only want to know if they they did die in the fire, we want to be convinced. Otherwise, we want to know what happened to them. He died a year later in 1968, still hoping for a break in the case. Jenny erected a fence around her property and began adding rooms to her home, building layer after layer between her and the outside. Since the fire, she had worn black exclusively as a sign of mourning and continued to do so until her death in 1989. The billboard finally came down. Her children and grandchildren continued to investigate and came up with theories of their own. The local mafia had tried to recruit him and he declined. They tried to extort money from him and he refused. The children were kidnapped by someone they knew. Someone who burst into them like front door, told them about the fire and offered to take them someplace safe. They might not have survived the night. If they had, if they had and if they lived for decades, if it really was Lewis in that photograph, they failed to contact their parents only because they wanted to protect them. Which would make sense if that was, you know, somebody who was mafia or somebody who was threatened that if you say anything to anybody, we'll kill your family.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm liking that theory that, that you just read. That kind of ties in right mm-hmm. close to what I'm thinking happened here.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. The youngest and last surviving solder child, Sylvia, is now 69 and doesn't believe her siblings perished in the fire. When time permits, she visits crime sleuthing websites and engages with people still interested in her family's mystery. Her very first memories are of that night in 1945 when she was two years old. She will never forget the sight of her father bleeding or the terrible symphony of everyone's screams. And she is no longer, no closer now to understanding why.
1: Well, interesting, very interesting story, I would
0: say. Yeah, that's, <laughs> to say the least, that's amazing.
1: I mean, I know I know the mafia does things, but it's right. pretty harsh stuff to do back then. I think what they probably... So did someone die in the fire? I forget.
0: No, no, I mean, they don't know. The other... Four kids and the parents made it out.
1: Got outside. The the other ones Mm -hmm. were upstairs apparently. The ladder was missing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it sounds like to me that uh, the dad and this mafia group didn't get along. Had Mm -hmm. more hatred toward each other. They decided to uh, steal their children, set their house on fire.
0: Right. So. You know,
1: I say steal the kids. They're not. They can't. It's like, oh, we'll give them back in five years. I mean. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. you know. What could that Dying, guy have yeah. done to piss off the mafia so bad just by not
0: right paying that exactly. money? Mhm.
1: Makes you kind of wonder what he was involved in.
0: Or working. Yeah, what was he doing that they wanted they wanted a piece of that action, you know? Enough to kill or destroy his family.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's another thing to add to the craziness that I thought West Virginia was. Now it's got the mafia in it, or had the mafia in it anyway. Yeah. Right? Hard to say. So, man,
0: man, what a, that's a, definitely one of the wilder ones we've read so far.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. It's kind of weird. You would, if if they, you your mind has a tendency to say, you know, if you don't see a body, then they're not dead. Um, that's kind of why people right. have funerals, I guess, for the closure. Yes, here they are. They died. Um, right. So I can see the parents automatically having that, that need that want to feel that way because they oh, did yeah. finding bodies, but just the whole peculiarness of it in itself with the parents feeling that way with, with the whole, uh, I just wanted to throw a piece of dead meat down there so they'd shut the hell up and we can move on yeah. with this thing. Um, yeah. Doesn't add up. So Crazy. I really feel like those kids were, were, were kidnapped, taken for the rest of their they lives.
0: Were certainly taken, yeah. I mean, um,
1: no one died, I guess, per se. As far
0: but, as we know, yeah. As far as we know, no one. But Well, supposedly. Supposedly, they all five died, but.
1: Yeah. Right. But we don't think really that they did.
0: But toward the end, we don't think they did.
1: <laughs> and people's lives were ruined, basically. Makes you wonder yeah, what happened to pretty those much. kids.
0: I mean, because look, they were, that's all they were doing for the rest of their lives was looking for their kids.
1: Yeah. You know. Sad. Sad you know, stuff. It is. It sad, is sad, sad and, and
0: wild stuff. Sad and wild and weird.
1: We'll uh, try to cover all this kind of craziness with, with you oh, yeah. guys out there. We appreciate the listens. And, uh,
0: Absolutely. And if you, and if you any, want to talk about this some more, if you got some theories of your own, let us know. True Crime Nation at Outlook.com.
1: Yep, shoot us an email and tell us what's going on. And, uh, let us know what you like mm-hmm. to hear. We can do some other stories per request as right. well.
0: And we're on Instagram too at True underscore Crime Nation.
1: Yes, right on.
0: And uh, I just got our Twitter account awesome. up too, so check us out there. We're true Crime Facebook.
1: Nation. We're on Facebook too, right? Got us yep, on, we're Facebook. on Facebook too. Yep, come join our group page. So that's right. Uh, got friends that like to listen to the crime podcast get that out there shoot us out there true crime nation let them know we're here and uh
0: absolutely help us out go give us a rate follow like definitely all the all the good stuff
1: definitely brian thanks for hanging out with me again man
0: man always fun always learning new stuff
1: had a good time and uh listeners thanks for listening and everyone remember
0: monsters are real